Life Audio. Welcome once again to Truth Tribe with Doug Grotheis, where we attempt to teach the truth about the things that matter most through reason and evidence. Today I'd like to go back to an essay I wrote in 2016, which is posted on my webpage, DouglasGrotheis.com, called Principles for Pastoring Animals. And before I read this text, some of you know that I am a great lover of dogs. In fact, my loyal and quintessentially cute dog, Sonny, is sitting right next to me. Those of you who have read my book, Walking Through Twilight, know that Sonny is mentioned numerous times, and he was a gift from God through Becky and my suffering with her dementia and through her death in 2018. But... I do have a heart for animals, and as a philosopher and student of scripture, I tried to bring together this idea of pastoring animals in this essay. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you. For loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com. A pastor cares for his or her flock by tender concern, prayer, teaching, and insight into his or her parishioners. But one may be pastoral without being called to be a pastor of a church. I know a man who graduated from a seminary who has never held a pastoral position, but who is more pastoral with friends, family, and strangers than many pastors I know. He once befriended a lonely man dying from a neurological disease and continued to pastor him until his death. This man is a pastoral non-pastor. Sadly, we find some non-pastoral pastors. I will argue that ordinary Christians can be pastors, even pastors to animals. As to my knowledge, there are no paid positions in this field. If there are, let me know. But life is bigger than a salary. An old stanza from an old poem by Francis Alexander sets the tone. All things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful, the Lord God made them all. Animals and humans were created by God to live together in harmony. Of course, the fall and the flood changed all that, but all the living kinds that God created remain good, as Genesis 1 teaches. Paul the Apostle, of course, agrees. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. 1 Timothy 4, 4 4-5 The Bible teaches us that humans alone bear the image of God, Genesis 1, 26, and that this image remains after the fall. We see that in Genesis 9. Since man... Since human beings are made in the image and likeness of God, that image cannot be 
denied. It cannot be eradicated. This hard break between humans and the rest of God's creation does not imply that men and women can treat animals any way they wish. Animals are not mere fodder for human whims. Along with all creatures, animals are owned by God and display aspects of God's character. God invokes his design and rule of the animal kingdom in answering Job from the whirlwind. Job 38-42 through 42, Our Lord Jesus Christ tells us to consider God's care for creatures. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barn, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Matthew 6.26 Humans have more value than the birds, but that does imply that the birds have no value. If they lack value, Jesus' teaching would fall flat. God commanded ravens to bring Elijah food while he was in an area east of the Jordan River. See 1 Kings 17.4-6 God has made a covenant with all creatures, not merely humans, as he told Moses. Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. That is Genesis 9, 9-10. Both man and beast are accountable to God and recipients of his grace. Through the prophet Hosea, God further promises a future covenant for the animal creation. On that day I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, the birds in the sky, and the creatures that move along the ground. Bow and sword and battle I will abolish from the land, so that they may all lie down in safety. Hosea 2, verse 18. Without developing a whole theology of the animal world, I offer a few principles for how Christians can show pastoral concern to animals, whether or not they interact with them regularly and directly. First, animals deserve prayer. As God's creatures, we should desire their well-being in relation to our own flourishing. Sometimes animals must be sacrificed for human good. The Creator gave us dominion over them, Genesis 1.28 and also Psalm 8 and they do not have rights equal to our own. Yet the dog, the horse, the pig, the lion, and the elephant are part of the company of the living, which God has created and called good. This is a text from Romans 8. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Romans eight nineteen through 22 There are here intimations that animals will be part of the freedom of and glory of the kingdom of God, and there are other passages to that effect, but I will not pursue that here. Suffice to say that the frustration of creation calls out for prayer and for the repairing of the world as much as possible 
before the eschaton. I often pray for my friend's horses, my dog, other pets, and wild animals. My prayer is expanding to cover the global plight of many animals, particularly dogs that are abused in puppy farms and through dog fighting. Animals used for food are often kept in painful conditions before their slaughter. I am no vegetarian, but this needless cruelty finds no justification in a Christian worldview. The animal scientist Temple Grandin has developed humane ways to treat such animals. These examples and myriad others are issues of justice. While we cannot side with activist groups such as PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, who deem animals as valuable or more so than human, we can work and pray for the humane treatment of animals. I commend the Humane Society and pray for them and their work. We may also offer prayers of thanksgiving, because circuses no longer exploit elephants, creatures too noble to be mere means to human entertainment. Second, an animal pastor works to strengthen the animal-human bond and to honor the death of beloved animals. Pets are now often put down in their owner's homes, so the farewell may be less traumatic than in a clinical setting. Several years ago, I went to the home of a young couple who called the vet to euthanize their storied dog, Emma, who had lung cancer. I said goodbye to Emma, who wagged her tail when I entered the house. It was a pastoral visit. Many who lose their pets feel ashamed to grieve so strongly for animals or think they must endure this alone. This ought not be. An animal pastor helps shepherd this communion of beings through life's terrible transition to death. I show affection to the dog, thanking him for his or her life. I looked into his or her eyes. Of course, I express consolation to the pet owners and pray with them before or after the sad event or both. And I keep them in my prayers, sending a consolation card to a bereaved, to an owner who has just lost a pet, is a loving gesture as well. Hey, Ted, what do you want to do today? Well, Ashley, I've always got uh, work to do, naps to take, but I have a better idea. How about we invite everyone to listen to the Team Us podcast? I love that idea. Let's do it right now. Hi, everyone. We're Ted and Ashley Slater, and we'd love for you to join us as we talk about teamwork in marriage. We share how grace, commitment, and cooperation can help couples live the everyday moments of marriage together. To listen, go to lifeaudio.com and search for Team Us. After the death of a friend's dog in 2011, I wrote the following prayer, which I often send to those in similar situations. And when I find on Facebook that someone has lost a pet, whether I know that or not, whether I know them or not, I send them this prayer. And it starts with a passage from Ecclesiastes 3 from the King James Version. I said in mine heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. I said in mine heart concerning the estate of the sons of men, that God might manifest them, and that they might see that they themselves are beasts. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts, 
even one thing befalleth them. As the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath. So that a man hath no preeminence above the beast. For all is vanity. All go unto one place. All are of dust, and all turn to dust again. Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward, and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth? Wherefore I perceive that there is nothing better than a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his portion. But who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? Now this is the prayer. O Creator of all living things, and giver of every good and perfect gift, we thank you for the gift of living creatures. You have made each thing according to its kind. Each finds its place in your creation. You have given us dominion over the earth and put living things into our care, including our pets. We thank you for these animal friends, and while we know they cannot provide the fellowship given by members of our own kind, or from you, we thank you for the love and joy that comes from these fellow creatures. We ask you now to comfort the master of of this beloved pet who has gone the way of all flesh. All the living will likewise die, and the death of one of your image bearers is far more consequential than that of a dog or a cat. Yet, the master grieves the loss of an animal companion, one put in his or her care. Fond memories of pets can last a lifetime. Therefore we ask, that the manifold sorrows of this veil of tears not overwhelm the Master, that life without their beloved pet would find healing, and that the memories of this unique creature would bring happiness and consolation, even in light of the bitterness of loss. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Great Shepherd of the Sheep, Amen. Third, an animal pastor blesses animals. He is benedictory. I have written on the physical meaning of benediction elsewhere on this blog, and it's difficult to encapsulate. A benediction is somewhere between a command and a wish. May you find peace is a benediction. In the Anglican liturgy, members of the congregation greet each other by saying, The peace of the Lord be with you. After the confession of sin and assurance of pardon. In the Bible, a benediction endeavors to confer divine well-being on a person, family, or nation. Consider this passage. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Hebrews 13:20 and 21. Since animals partake of God's covenant, and since they are given to us as good creatures, we should bless them. That is, we, in a holy and mindful state of love, should desire their best. I cannot resist another anecdote. Recently, I was asked to contribute to a video project on the subject of biblical equality between men and women a subject my first wife, Rebecca, and I had written and spoken much about during recent years, actually going back to the early 1990s. When entering the house, I first greeted my old friends, 
who are sponsoring the project. But then I noticed a diminutive white ball of dog fluff named Abby, who I was told was advanced in years. Abby had a slight limp, but was friendly and affable. I greeted her by holding her head in my hand, getting down to her level and blessing her. We hit it off. During my 45-minute interview, Abby lay down next to me and relaxed, off-camera, sadly. When finished with the interview, I said goodbye to my human hosts, but Abby was stranded about 10 feet away underneath the step too high for her to surmount, given her age. She looked balefully at me with anticipation. We reunited and said goodbye. The host remarked that she did not act that way with other strangers to the house. I know what. I was her chaplain. The Roman Catholics developed a liturgy for the blessing of the animals. Although I am a loyal Protestant, the Catholics have us beat on this one. Catholics observe the blessing of pets and animals on October 4th, the Feast of St. Francis of Assisi, or on a Sunday nearest that date. I take the following from an online article, Blessing of Animals, by Kevin E. Macon, OFM. At Franciscan churches, a friar with brown robe and white cord often welcomes each animal with a special prayer. The blessing of pets usually goes like this. Blessed are you, Lord God, maker of all living creatures, You called forth fish in the sea, birds in the air, and animals on the land. You inspired St. Francis to call all of them his brothers and sisters. We ask you to bless this pet. By the power of your love, enable it to live according to your plan. May we always praise you for all your beauty in creation. Blessed are you, Lord our God, in all your creatures. Amen. Even if Protestant churches do not adopt this practice, maybe if you have, the sentiments are applicable to any Christian's relationships to pets and other animals. My theology of animals and how to pasture them is inchoate, not fully formed. But it is growing the more I observe and reflect on the animal kingdom all around us. Consider applying these three principles to your life with the creatures outside of your species but who are under God's special care as well. This essay has been about ways that humans can pastor animals, but I'd like to finish up by showing how my dog, Sunny, was able to really pastor me and my late wife, Rebecca, through her dementia. And I'd like to read one of the interludes from my book, Walking Through Twilight, A Wife's Illness, A Philosopher's Lament, which is about Rebecca Merrill Grothuis and my journey through her dementia, The book came out in 2017. She passed away in 2018. Let me read this interlude. Although she usually works on Mondays, our live-in caregiver had this Monday off, so I was responsible for getting Becky's meals. After a morning in the basement, reading and giving a radio interview on Descartes and American politics, oddly enough, I realized that Becky needed to be prompted for lunch. So I went upstairs with some trepidation. Trepidation is my near-constant companion on this journey through twilight. As I entered her room, I saw a doleful and familiar sight, Becky sitting on the floor, weeping. I asked, what is wrong? The answer was doleful and familiar as well. Everything. Sonny had not yet scurried up the stairs with me, but I knew he would not languish. 
His ear for crying is well-trained and impeccable. He does not cry, but he knows what our crying is. As he walked in the room, I knew he could comfort Becky without words, better than I could comfort her with words. Sonny is an expert in nestling. With his tail wagging low, a sign of nervousness or concern, he put as much of himself on as much of Becky as he was able. One of his best moves is to put his head on the ground while keeping his lower half upright while making happy sounds and undulating. Sonny rarely does this when he is alone. After nuzzling, licking, and displaying his golden doodle acrobatics of love, he sat down in front of us as if to say, At your service, my humans. Becky and I looked at him and I sang, Sonny loves us, this I know, for his licking tells me so. Becky laughed, I laughed, I think Sonny laughed too. Are you ready to have lunch now? I asked with some confidence. She came down to eat and took two pills meant to calm her. That no pill could substitute for God's grace and comfort made fur in a dog named Sonny. This has been Doug Grotheis. You've been listening to Truth Tribe. If you'd like to know more about my ministry or how I might serve you, please go to douglasgrotheis.com and also consider sharing this podcast with a friend. Truth Tribe is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcast.